in the Navy, they're taught the best way to fight a storm or a hurricane was just to move out to sea and anchor deep. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. There are times in our lives when we're caught in storms. Maybe someone listening is going through that right now. The best way to fight a storm is to anchor deep. Join us as we explore this year's theme and see how we have hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure in Christ. We hope you enjoy. All right, good morning, church. Who are you? Bodyguard. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we got the bodyguard working here. So uh, before we get officially started, I want to say welcome to those of you online also. And uh, I have a friend here, but also not just a friend, but I get to announce him as a teammate. Uh, we just recently brought on Tim Gonzalez part, part, part time. Uh, he's got his regular job, but he... Uh, he is coming on as our first steps coordinator, and uh, that might not mean a whole lot to you guys, but this guy is the guy for that job, and God has gifted him. Let's welcome him, uh, part of our team. Tim, um, Tim, Tim, you'll hear a lot from him uh, here in the next couple of weeks. I'll bring him back up here to really flesh out more in detail uh, what it is that he is doing as a part of this team. But I wanted you to see his face and to, uh, again, just say I'm personally excited and I know our team is excited. Thank you, Tim. Welcome. So... Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm just going to jump right into this. We're, we're starting, a, starting, we're in the second week of a new series called um, Money Matters. And I don't know if we have any of you guys that are like me, but I love a good deal. Yeah? Okay, but yeah, I got an amen right here. Oh, come on, I love a good deal. But here, here's what I want to tell you, though. Um, I'm not cheap. And I think there's a difference between being um, resourceful and responsible and cheap. So sorry for those of you that are the cheap ones out there. But I, I, like, like when we did the whole upstairs and we're doing all the, the contracts and all that, and I learned really quick the two words that were the worst words were change order. Yeah, all you construction guys out there. I put a stop to that real quick and at least let them know what my thoughts were. But again, how I deal business-wise with the church and how I deal in my own personal life is this. This is my philosophy. It doesn't need to be yours. But I always say this. You need to make your money. I think that's responsible. People need to make their money, just not all on me. So that's what I say. I say, I'm like, I will pay the fair deal, but don't, don't take me to the cleaners. Are you with me on that? So, so I'd like a good deal. I'll work for a good deal. And it takes long time uh, sometimes to get that deal. But um, definitely, um, uh, let's just say this, and I'm not offering this, but I have been there on the car lot with many a members over the last 30 years because they know how much I love to work those deals on the car lot too. Anyways. The point is that today you are going to get to hear what I think is the greatest deal in the history of mankind, okay? So just, just that's a big promise. <laughs> we'll see if I can fulfill that. So hold on to that thought and let's pray. God, um, thank you. Uh, thank you for continuing to um, just saturate uh, this part of, of, of our country with just water that we needed. And thank you for um, that blessing, Lord. And uh, I guess we'd say we could back off that for a little bit. But uh, <laughs> all joking aside, we are grateful, Lord. Thank you for bringing us all here today and online, Lord. Uh, we, we pray that our hearts would be ready and prepared to hear what it is 
that you have to say, and especially about this greatest deal that's been promised. God, um, help me to just be pushed aside, and uh, we pray that we would not hear my words, but your words. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. So let's jump right into it. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, uh, review. So I want to review last week's because I think it's really essential. Um, This is a very short series. It's actually going to end next week with a buddy of mine that's going to preach because I will be in Cambodia, but um, on generosity. But this series is so important when we talk about money. We have to understand the foundation that was laid uh, last week for all things, all resources, but especially this topic of money. So in review of last week, I read or we read Genesis chapter 1. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the what, church? And the earth. So who created it? God created it. And then if you go down a few more verses, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. God saw all that he made, and it was what? It was very good. So the conclusion last week was God made it, and he made it good. All right? God made it, and he made it good. And so we talked about ownership. Like, we have to start with ownership before we could ever think about any other topic, and especially this topic of money. The point is, we don't own it. He does. Amen? God made it, and he owns it, and it's all good. And we got to stop having this mentality of, it's mine, mine, all mine, right? And I, get, I, I stole that. I stole that. From a great theologian, by the way. Turn your eyes to the screen. Mm. Well, we can't be too far off. So if we... uh... It's mine, you understand? Mine, all mine! Get back in there! Down, down, down! Go, go, go! Mine, mine, mine! (laughs) (laughs) How many of us is... that's, That's us! Now, we wouldn't admit it, but we're like that. Have you ever been around a two- or three-year-old? Yeah. And then we grow up, and some of us are still acting like that. That's the great theology of Daffy Duck. What you don't know is the context of the full thing, because I'm a product of the 70s, the really good cartoons, by the way. And um, I just found there's a station that shows all these on Sunday afternoons. It's my favorite. Anyways, Daffy Duck. And Bugs Bunny pop up, and there's this big pile of treasure. Daffy sees it, and guess what? The rabbit's coming up, and he's like, no, mine, 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 all mine. And here we are in 2023. If we don't understand it's his, then we have this idea like we own it all. Does that make sense? Then we talked about lordship. So ownership leads to lordship. And, and I'm not going to get into all the details of that. You can listen always to the sermons. I think they're, they go years back on the, the uh, website. And you can check those out. But we talked about ownership leads, to stu- or ownership leads to lordship. And lordship simply means authority. And we say the Bible, and I used all these passages to show that. But God owns it all. And then we have to give him authority over it all, right? Because of free will, we have to make that choice. And so again, ownership leads to stewardship, or lordship, which leads to what? Stewardship. And stewardship is where I get excited. Because at least this is where my mindset is. If, if he owns it all, and I've given him authority, then he picks and chooses what I get to steward over. 
He picks and chooses, and we looked at that last week. He gets to pick and choose what I get to manage. And what an awesome responsibility. You know, some of you might be able to relate to this. Some of you uh, guys, you know, that are big into the cars and stuff. That first time that dad handed you the keys to that cool, you know, truck or whatever that cool car was. And he's basically saying, I trust you. And when you leave, it's yours to take care of. And dad's assumption and trust in you is when you bring it back, it's going to look like it looked when it left. Amen? And that's the stewardship part of it. And I get excited because it's like, oh my gosh, God, the two boys that, that you've allowed my wife and I to have, they were sitting here in first service, and I was able to look at them and say, guys, you're not mine. You're the Lord's. But God has entrusted me with these two young men. How cool is that? Amen? I I have a a great truck, and and it's not my truck. It's God's truck, and a great home, and it's God's home. I have a wonderful office, and it's God's office. So it's just a mindset that helps us understand that ownership leads to lordship that leads to stewardship. So it's all his, but God has trusted me to manage it. How cool is that? And specifically with the topic of money, then, whatever we have, it's not because we've accumulated and we're so amazing. Yes, we've done the work. Yes, we've got up early. Yes, we've stressed out about it. Yes, all that kind of stuff. But it could be gone just like that. Amen, church? And so you just hold things loose and realize it's God's. And when we think about ownership leads to lordship, leads to stewardship, then we get to go, you know what? That's pretty cool. My uncle's in town, and we had breakfast before uh, church this morning. And we were sitting there, and uh, he had finished his meal, and I'm, I, I just kind of watched him. And I've had hundreds of meals with this guy, but I had it this morning, maybe it's because it's on my radar, but he literally um, put all of the utensils and the napkin and everything that was there and put it on the plate and kind of pushed it aside. I'm like, hmm. And then he took his, uh, takes a napkin and he wipes everything down in front of him. I said, Uncle, I've never seen you do that before. And he goes, I do it all the time. I said, I only know uh, one other crazy person in this world that does it. It's me. Like, I, I, and maybe it's because I was a busboy. I always go back that, and I think maybe because, uh, you know, the, 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 the bombs that have gone off, you know. But I always, I always bust my own stuff and just put it all there, and I put it to the side, and I wipe it down. And we were talking, and I said, Uncle, can I ask you a weird question? I said, do you clean your hotel room? He goes, yeah. I said, no. He goes, I take all the towels at the end of the trip, and I put it over there right by the, you know, the, the bathroom sink. And I said, that's what I do. And then I walk around and I pick up all the trash and I put it in the trash can. And, and I've told you this, I think, before. We have a lady that runs a hotel and she goes, Rob, you would not believe what our maids walk into sometimes. Like bombs, you know, have gone off. But, you know, others go, well, that's why I paid $300 a night so that they could clean it up, you know. And I don't want to be, you know. But I don't know. I'm not, I'm not telling you how to live because that's the cool thing. We see what God's word has to say. You go out there and figure out how to live it out. But for me, this mindset of swordship, I really take it, uh, take it serious. And, and I'm not, uh, by no means am I a perfectionist and one of those that are OCD with all that kind of stuff and everything has to, no. My mindset really truly comes from the Lord that says anything that I'm a part of is his. And so why wouldn't I leave it better 
than when I got there. I did the college ministry for 15 years. We did retreats everywhere. We did ski retreats and snow ski retreats, and we did beach retreats, and we did river rafting and campgrounds all over. And the first night, the same thing, they they could tell you the speech. Those of you that were in the college ministry, Brad, you know that. Let's have fun. Let's tear this pace apart. But at the end of this trip, we're going to put it back better than when we got here. And I I love that mindset. Again, you don't have to have it, but I do challenge you with this idea of stewardship. It's like how cool that God has allowed me and entrusted me with this privilege and responsibility of his stuff. Amen? So this is a good place uh, to say, all right, so specifically with money then, if God's given me 100% of this stuff, then how do I steward finances? And I told you a great resource that I believe in is Dave Ramsey. He's a financial peace uh, uh, ministry. And we do the financial peace classes here a few times a year. I'd highly recommend you get a part of that. It helped change my family's life. And really specifically, how do you get out of debt that we talked about last week? And I want to say it again. Um, so many people came to me and said, you know what? I just never even thought that debt-free was an option. I want to tell you debt-free is an option. You know, we don't have to live in debt. And so basically what I want to say here is Dave Ramsey says 10% to God, 10% to yourself, savings, and then live off of 80%. If we were all doing that, we would have no problems. But the truth is that's, that's hard. And the 80%, let me give you a hint. The 80%, uh, Dave Ramsey says this, act your wage. So that just simply means only pay for the things or buy the things that you could afford. Don't try and live somebody else's life. (laughs) That makes more money. Does that make sense? All right. So that's just a little lesson there. So let's talk about the 10% to God. That's the rest of the sermon, the 10% to God. If you're taking notes, the second point today, just write this down, Old Testament tithe. Old Testament tithe. And I want to go all the way back to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the tree, belongs to who? Belongs to the Lord. It is what? Holy to the Lord. I love that statement. Whoever would redeem any of their tithe must add a fifth of the value to it. Every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod with will be holy to the Lord. No one may pick out the good from the bad and make any substitutions. If anyone does make a substitution, both the animal and its substitute become holy and cannot be redeemed. There, these are the commands of the Lord that, Moses, uh, that, that the Lord gave Moses at the Mount Sinai for all the Israelites. Now again, we could spend a long time on this and I'm just gonna go highlight some things here, but here's where this whole idea of tithe is introduced. And one of the silly things is, he kind of threw this in there. It's like, yeah, give 10% and you're like, all right, I've got a bunch of apples. I'm gonna give the basket of the 10 apples that are all rotten. You know? <laughs> no, 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 don't give me the, the, the crippled lamb and the, the rotten animals. Give me your best. And that's a great question. I didn't challenge the, the first service with this, but that's a good question that I've had to ask myself. Am I giving my best to the Lord? 
And so here the 10% is offered. And again, uh, there's so much to this, but there's 12 tribes of God's people, the Israelites, the chosen people. And one of the tribes were the Levites. And the Levites, they didn't have land and resources like all the other tribes did. And so God set up this system basically to help support the priest, which are the Levites, and the temple. So the first tithe was to help the, 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 the priest, take care of the priest, and help take care of the temple. That's how God arranged it. This was the Old Testament law. Are you with me, church? It was kind of set up as a tax to take care of, like I said, the, the priest and the temple. And there was other financial obligations, and Pastor um, Greg and I were talking, and Pastor Greg could give you all the details on all this stuff. I'm, I'm not smart enough, and my memory's really fading. But there were all sorts of festivals, and there was all sorts of offerings, and there was all sorts of things that were required and given, and that number could get up to 60-something percent, Okay? But right here in this text, we've got that we're introduced uh, to the tithe, which means one-tenth. Just like everything else the Israelites, God's chosen people, um, struggled with, they struggled with this. You know, they were these cyclical people, right? They're on fire, they're righteous, they're doing what God wants them to do, and then the next time you turn around, they're going, squirrel, you know, just the opposite, Right? But in this particular situation, they, they've been taken away. They've been put into captivity. Many, many, many years later, they're brought back. The temple's destroyed. They're trying to get things back together. All right? That's a real quick history lesson there. There's, there's all kinds of prophets. And, and, and priests, here's, here's what I always like to say. Priests speak to God on behalf of the people. The people are la, 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 tell God this. And the priest goes, okay, God, the people say da, 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 da. Prophets, they're different. They listen to God and hear what God has to say, and then they speak to the people. Does that make sense? And so we're going to see two contemporaries, uh, Haggai and Malachi. Haggai and Malachi um, are contemporary prophets, and we're going to read a little bit of what they said. So remember, the Israelites, they come back, um, and, and they're going to get life started all over again. And then you get to Haggai chapter 1, verse 7. And, the, and here it says, the prophet says, Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thoughts to your ways. Let's say that together. Give careful thought to your ways. Let's say it again. Give careful thought to your ways. Do you see that? You have planted much but have harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but you never have your fill. You put on your clothes you, 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 but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with what? With holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. And let's say it together. Give careful thoughts to your ways. Let's say it again. Give careful thoughts to your ways. So what's happening is they've come back. They started to put some effort in building the temple because that's where the priority is. That's, that's where the God would be. And that's what represented everything important about God and priorities. But then all of a sudden, they got distracted. And they started watching HGTV. And they started seeing what they could do with their bathrooms and how they could take, tear this wall down and, and how they could, okay, all joking aside, but they started being concerned about their own paneled houses, right? Is there anything wrong to be, about being concerned with their house? 
No. He's just like, that's a trick question. I don't know. No, there's nothing wrong. Just like there's nothing wrong with having a car. But the problem is if the car becomes the God, there's a problem. If the house becomes the God, there's a problem. If we're getting into debt so that we can keep up with the Joneses and have the newest, latest whatever at our house or drive the newest, latest whatever and we're in debt, then that's a problem because then that becomes the God and that becomes the priority while the temple remains a ruin. Does that make sense? And so their priorities were all messed up. They were only taking care of their own paneled houses, the Bible says. And so he sent the prophet to say, give careful thoughts to your ways. Loose translation, your priorities are wrong. Now we get to Malachi. Now, if you've grown up in the church, you've seen, or if you look at any kind of social media, and there's this meme, right? If we ever talk about money, this is the verse. But I want to tell you, I want to give you the context. Like literally, people's priorities were messed up. Their hearts were in the wrong place. So hold on to your purple seats, and we're going to bust through 10 verses right here. Ready? Malachi. Remember, the contemporary, the same time as Haggai, the prophet. Chapter 3, verse 1. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the days of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will be offering, uh, will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be what? They'll be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by, as in former years. So I will come put you on trial. I will be quickly, I will quickly testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of wages, who oppress the widows and their fathers, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. Now listen, 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 listen. Ready? Verse six, I do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will what? I'll return to you, says Almighty. Now listen, listen, listen. But you ask, how, how do we return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you what? You rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, he says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be no room enough to store it. Church, this is good. And it's bad. And it really depends on where your heart is. If you don't understand ownership and you don't understand lordship and you don't understand swordship, it's like, get me out of here. I don't like what this has to say. But he's saying what I believe needs to be said today. I'm not a, a, a great um, you know, historian. I don't know all the answers to everything. But I do know this. Our country is not in the greatest of places right now. And it's not so much God bless America anymore because we've given him the middle finger as a country. 
And we want to say, mine, 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 but why aren't you blessing me? And God's like, you've got a choice, my friends. I've given you free will, so you can't have both. Either I'm the owner and Lord or not. But isn't it true that most of us are like Daffy Duck coming out, looking at the big stuff, going, mine, 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 all mine. And I think we're not in trouble in the sense I'm not not saying, oh, we're going to be destroyed tomorrow. But I'm not surprised at what's going on in our country because we've pushed God aside. And when it comes to finances, we've pushed them aside. That's why we're $33 trillion in debt. God could take care of that debt in a snap of the fingers. He's the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need our money. He needs our hearts. And that was true back then, and it's true today. Does that make sense? So when you hear a church preach on money, now no, some churches, yeah, they are doing it the wrong way with the wrong motives. And I pray that we're doing it right. But it, when I read this book, it's like, I just, I, I, yeah, God, you own it also. Why do you need this? And he's like, I don't need it. You need it. To stay on track and remember what is important. Are you with me, church? They got wrapped up in their old world, their own worlds. They focused on themselves and not God. I can relate to that. I'm not saying shame on them. I can relate. Can't, can't you relate to that? Where you get your priorities all out of whack and you become selfish? You see, because their priorities were all focused on this, it impacted the priests and the temple that represented God and all that was important. And I love this. You know, Haggai says, get careful thoughts to your ways. And, and Malachi says, you're robbing God. <laughs> but you know what? I would go further than that. You're not robbing God as much as you're robbing yourself. Because read the rest of this verse. It says, see, test me. I will throw open the floodgates of heaven. So I'm thinking if I don't make him a priority, I'm the one that's really missing out on the blessings of God. And please hear what I'm saying and not what I'm not saying. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. And some of you are like, what's a prosperity gospel? It's a lot of those preachers on TV. It's a lot of preachers that probably are in our valley and all over the world that are preaching saying, man, if you just give this amount of money, I'll pray for you, you know? Uh, Papa, need a new car, you know, or whatever, you know, the, the, I need a new plane. And I, no, 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 no. We're not talking about you give to God and he's going to multiply it and you're going to get that new Tesla and you're going to get the 3,000 square foot house or not all that stuff. What it's simply saying is give your heart to God and God's, gonna, God's got your back. And how he blesses, it's in a variety of ways. Amen, church? Here's one thing I know is you can't outgive God. God does not want or need your money. He wants our hearts. Which leads me to the third point. And that's New Testament tithe. So we want Old Testament tithe, New Testament tithe. Wait a second. We got the wrong punctuation there. It should have been an explanation mark. It should have been a, or a, a period. But the actual truth is no, they did it right. New Testament tithe? Because let me tell you something. I could be wrong. I don't think I am. 
I don't know of anywhere in the New Testament that it tells us to tithe. Now, secretly, some of you guys are going, hallelujah, honey, you see that debate? Pastor said we don't have to tithe. <laughs> Hold on to your purple seats. I just had an elder come in here, too. He's going to check me out on that. I just said they don't have to tithe, Patrick. Well, that's at least what we could conclude, you know, the Bible. I, mean, I really can't. I really can't find a verse that says tithe. Here's what, here's what I can find, okay? I can find in Matthew 5, verse 17, Jesus says, Do you think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets? I have not come to abolish them, but to what? Fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest nor the least stroke of a pen will any of these means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commandments will be given great um, in the kingdom of heaven. So I I share all that because Jesus is saying, I fulfilled the Old Testament, which is, you know, the law. And now we're in the New Testament. Another way to say it is the Old Covenant, it's done. And the New Testament is now we've got a new covenant. And Pastor Rob said, there's no tithes in the mention of the New Testament. But here's what I do know. (laughs) Because of this passage I just shared, and then you go on and read further in Matthew uh, 5.17, and he says, um, do not, uh, what was it, 5.17. He says, not only do I tell you not to, or actually, I guess it would be 5.21. He says, you've heard it long ago, you shall not murder, but now I say you shouldn't be uh, angry. Then he goes on later and he says, uh, you heard it said before, Old Testament, don't commit adultery, but now don't even look at a woman with lust in your heart? Do you see where I'm getting at? He's gone from letter of the law, Old Testament, to issue of the heart. And so when we take that to tithing, I believe that God, here's Rob Denton, God never lowers the standard when he goes from Old Testament to New Testament. Did you catch that? There's nowhere that I have found where God lowers the standard from Old Testament to New Testament. So my conclusion is a tithe is a starting place for us today living in the new contract, the new covenant. So I believe for the same reasons the tithe was given back in the day is a lot of the reasons that it's given today. And it's the starting place. Can I tell you something? I got really convicted this week. I have no problem telling you that I tithe. That might sound arrogant. That might sound prideful. I don't know what you think of that. I have no problem as a leader of this church telling you I tithe. My wife and I tithe. Why do I share that? When I taught a class about, I don't know, a month ago down at the the Bible college I graduated from, I did a class on leadership and finances. I don't remember the number exactly, but I was shocked. I think it's like 60-something percent of pastors don't tithe. And actually, there's some denominations that just say, no, pastors don't have to tithe. Because they're giving of their time. I say baloney to that. All right? I need to do that in my life to make sure my priorities are right. 
And, but here's where I'm convicted because I checked that box. And it started when I was a brand new a Christian at 18 years old. That meant $10. That $10 meant a lot, though, as a college student in 88. You know, that could be a whole week's worth of Taco Bell with change. <laughs> now, I couldn't pay for the doctor bill for having Taco Bell for a whole week. No. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? And then I got another job, and it was, you know, $20, and then another job, and it was $40. And then, oh, my gosh, three figures, 100-something dollars. And then... I have zero problem telling you, the second largest check my wife and I write every month is our tithe check. And I hope that encourages you. Because I believe that's what, that's, I need to do that. Now, here's the problem. I've checked that box, and I'm going to say it's easy, and it's only easy because it's just been the normal thing for us. It's not easy. I look at that and go, wow, that could be a, you know, this payment or that payment. Where I was convicted is, if what I said is true, that God never eases up from the Old Testament and the New Testament, then tithe is just the beginning place. And even though as a church we tithe off of the offerings every week that come in, off the tithes, we give 10%, then we increased it to 11, 12, I think we're at 13% right now, which I think is awesome. We keep increasing that. I was challenged with, why have I not been doing that with my own life? Does that make sense? And so my wife got to hear that for the first time. <laughs> Last service, we'll have a conversation. What does that mean for the Denton household? But what does that mean for you? And this is not a guilt thing for you. Wherever you're at, I just think God wants your heart. And are you giving your best to him? Am I giving my best to him? Does that make sense, church? Because it's gotten real quiet in here. <laughs> I give it to God. That's what a tithe is, by the way. And I've gone toe-to-toe with some people over the years on this. Because some people go, well, I don't tithe, but man, when you ask for money for the kids' ministry, I'll write a $1,000 check. Or I had one person go, well, we bought all the T-shirts for the teen ministry, you know? And I'm like, that is awesome. But stop. If you're not tithing, I don't want you to give any other money. They're like, sorry, Amy's in here, the children's director. But that's the truth. Because anything that we say where it's going, that's an offering. A tithe is literally 10% plus saying, here, God, I trust you. And particularly in whatever church you're in, I trust the leadership. And wherever it goes, it goes. But it's it's, it's off of me and on you, God. An offering is above and beyond that. And if you want to give vitamins for me to take Cambodia, praise God. If you want to give to, you know, the gym and making it this or the upstairs or, you know, a missions trip and all that, that stuff's all good. But that's after the tithe. Does that make sense? And that's where you get to say where it goes. I didn't get to say this last service, so I'm going to say it right now. I think this is a money. (laughs) This is a money line right here. The 10%'s not the hard part of stewarding the 100 that God has given us. What I've learned is stewarding the other 90% is what's hard. Did you catch that? Like God has entrusted me 100% with all the money, and he said, give me 10. But what I've found, it's harder to figure out what to do with the 90. Chew on that one for a second. Amen. I believe 100%. Oh, gosh, there's so much to say on this. You could trust us here at this church. I'll just say that. Um, I will be honest. I, I've never sent a letter about finances in almost seven years of being the lead pastor. 
Um, we made it through COVID. Thank you, Lord. Um, we've, we've, we were able to build the whole upstairs for the kids and teens, all kinds of amazing stories. But I'm going to shoot straight. Our last three months have been the worst ever in our finances. Like last month was unbelievably bad. Um, we, we were 20,000 short, January 30,000 short. And we're, 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 we run a lean machine. Now, here's what's awesome. You never got a letter. You know why? Because under my leadership, I started savings. <laughs> and we've had savings for the first time. And so COVID, we were able to be like, all right, we at least have some savings. But I share all that to say that um, we, really, we really need to check our hearts on what's going on. Do you know our church is blowing up in a good way right now, people-wise? Last week, 82 children. 82 kids between the two services. You don't get to see them because we hide them back up in that corner. No, no. <laughs> Is that awesome? Isn't that exciting, church? Young families all over the new family. I mean, all over. So praise God we're, we're, we're going, and I know God's going to take care of it because he owns a cattle on a thousand hill. But what I want to make sure is all of us understand what, what we're supposed to be doing for the Lord and how are we stewarding what God has given us especially in this area of finances. Now, I love this whole idea. He's going to pour out the floodgates all over us. He's going to bless us. And sometimes that's financially. I got story after story about that. But sometimes his blessing is taking anxiety and turning it into peace, taking pain and bringing comfort, taking shame and bringing forgiveness, weakness, turning it into strength, fear into love, burdens into rest. And last and most important, the blessing is taking our life and given his son's life so that we may have the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit and eternal life. Church, let's make a deal. Would you agree that that's the best deal in the world if I gave you $100 and I only asked for 10 back? Who in this room would not do that deal? If anyone wants to take me up on it, I'm all for it. I'll say yes to anyone and everyone because that's an amazing deal. Think about it. That's what God's done with us. He's given us everything. And he said, I just want 10% back. That's why I said at the beginning of the sermon, it's the greatest deal in history. How are you doing in stewarding specifically money in your life? Well, I don't, I've never tithed, and man, to jump 10%, that'd be hard. I could barely make my bills right now. Maybe you need to start at 2%. Maybe you need to start at 3%. Start somewhere. And if you're at 10, maybe you're like me, and you have to challenge yourself to say, you know what? What's the next level that God wants me to do? So I'm going to wrap all this up with a few questions. Are you ready? Do you believe that God owns it all? Secondly, have you made Jesus Lord? especially in this area of finances. Three, are you giving careful thoughts to your ways with money? Number four, are you tithing? I think it's important I didn't tell the church for service. One of the things Pastor Glenn did, and, and it's true with me, I don't know who gives what. I can know. I have no idea who gives what. The front office deals with all that. Sometimes I just, I know numbers just because I say, well, why are we down for the last three months? Run a report. What's going on? But that's between you and the Lord, amen? 
But there's a question, are you tithing? And then lastly, are you giving your best? Are you giving your best? Father, help me. Help us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.